Thank you, thank you so much. It's so good to see you all again. Um, maybe some of you don't even know, know we left, but <laughs> um, we, uh, in April, we, um, we moved. And so it's been an, an eventful last three months. Actually, it's been more than three months. It's been going on for a couple of years. So let me just give you a quick update. Um, a couple of years ago, my boss at work had us do one of those annual goal-setting things. And um, one of the th things he said was, make a personal goal and write it down, put it in an envelope, and then he's going to give it to me a year, a year later. Um, and uh, so as I pondered that, I thought about what do I want to happen personally, um, I, I, I started thinking about um, our life. And, and I realized that, I realized three things. First of all, that our, our geographical center had moved. Uh, the center of our life was here in paradise for 14 years. And, um, but our daughter got married and has two beautiful grandchildren, and they happen to live in Mannheim, so now you, it all makes sense, right? Um, and then Kathy's parents uh, moved back from New Hampshire, and uh, they didn't settle here, they settled in Mannheim. And uh, so we could see that the, uh, there were obligations there and just a desire. Kathy was going there like three and four times a week sometimes, and you know, just wearing herself out traveling. So I thought of that, and I thought the press of business has been so much, I've been working so hard, and um, I just need to change some things. So um, what I wrote down on that goal that day was, I want to be more present in the lives of my family. And I didn't realize uh, the effect that was going to have on us, but um, I called my boss a couple months later. I said, you know, it's because of you I have to move. <laughs> because um, what we did, we, we bought a house in, in Mannheim in the same development where Kathy's parents are, so we'll be able to take care of them and hopefully have them um, stay in their home longer. And then uh, we'll be closer to our loved ones. Our son's a little closer and our other daughter's about the same distance. Um, so anyway, that's how we ended up uh, living in Mannheim. And then, uh, of course, we, we put our house up for sale in March. Um, it's the one right out here on uh, Harristown Road. Still has a for sale sign on it, by the way, so if you could pray for us, I'd, I'd be grateful for that. Uh, you know, we really mourned leaving Paradise because we love this church. We loved you all. We, uh, it was a great... This is the best church we've, we've ever been in, I felt. And... Um, we just, I loved being able to serve and teach and uh, just miss you all. Uh, the, the real serendipity has been how quickly we, we uh, bought into our new life. And uh, so I love having the grandkids run in the door and call for pop. And uh, I love uh, just, you know, being near uh, the people that are dear to me. So, um, but the interesting thing is God wasn't through yet because uh, recently he opened my heart to a new, new opportunity. And uh, this week is going to be my last week at uh, Auntie Anne's Focus Brands. And I've been there for 20, almost 26 years in August. Uh, but the Lord laid on, on my heart a new, uh, a new mission, a new desire, and uh, July 2nd I'm going to be starting as a, the Lancaster Regional Rep for uh, Hope International. And uh, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, I love Hope. It's a wonderful organization. Um, it's devoted to two of what I think are God's biggest priorities. Uh, one is to share the gospel and to fulfill the Great Commission. And the other is to serve the poor. And, uh, but hope doesn't just serve the poor by giving them a handout. What they do is give them a hand up. Uh, they, they help uh, them 
realize their dreams. And uh, so through microfinancing and uh, savings and credit associations, they actually uh, build up the poor and help them to, uh, to learn and to grow and become uh, independent. And so I know Peter Greer was here uh, in April. Uh, we talked uh, the week before he came here. So I won't go on any more about hope. But if you want to know more, come see me or give me your email address. I will send you a link and you can download a copy of a free book that's going to uh, help you understand. Okay? So in all of this exciting uh, life change, we uncovered another dilemma. So something else you can pray about. The plan uh, was that Kathy's mom and dad were going to come and live with us when they can't live alone any longer. So we have a... a, a a finished basement, and it's an in-law quarter. So that's the plan. Um, and then last week or a couple weeks ago, my, my mother-in-law was at our house, and she started to get uh, itchy eyes and sniffles. You know, we, we have a cat and, uh, named Bella, and it's my cat. And um, so, uh, so she's starting to, you know, have this allergic reaction. And so now we have a real dilemma. And as you can imagine, Kathy... Um, has been particularly concerned. Um, so she was fretting about it the other night. And she said, Brian, she said, uh, what if my mom's allergic to Bella? What are we going to do? What if she's allergic to Bella? Brian, I think we might have to put her up for adoption. And I said, Kathy, who's going to want to adopt an 87-year-old woman? But who knows? So um, here's, here's the chance right here. Free to a good home. 87-year-old mother-in-law. She's pleasant. She's nocturnal, unfortunately. Subject to frequent falls, allergic to cats, and has a good sense of humor, I hope. <laughs> Actually, she did give me permission to use this because it really was, it, it really did happen that way. I'm not just making that up. But anyway, so... Um, Anyway, happy Father's Day. <laughs> um, how many of you are fathers here this morning? Raise your hand. Actually, do me a favor. Stand up, will you? You know, on Mother's Day, we always say how blessed the mothers are. And then on Father's Day, we, not here, but in other places, you might tend to be, leave here really feeling terrible about what a lousy father you are. But I want to I thank you because I've lived here for 14 years. I've gone to your church. I look around this room, and I see a lot of men who love God and want to serve him and love their families and love their children. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And what i like to do, let's give him an applause. Thank you, Father. What I'd like to do is I'd like, us to, I'd like us to pray for our fathers. So right now, I don't want a father here without somebody with their hand on their shoulder as we pray. And I'm going to pray a blessing upon all the fathers here. So can you all stand up and put your hands on these fathers? I don't want a father. If there's, no, if there's a father by himself, don't let him be by himself. Um, and, and let's pray for these fathers because uh, it's an awesome responsibility. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for being a good father to us. And thank you for giving uh, these men that awesome responsibility to be a father. Um, what a life-giving gift that you give us. And I pray that you would help us as fathers, help us to honor you every day, help us to look to you for wisdom and for uh, the model of how to be a father.
I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to our families. Um, give us ways to show our love that maybe sometimes we're not even thinking about ourselves. Help us to learn to, to love our families the way they want to be loved. And for most of all, Lord, I pray that you would lead, um, lead us to be the best we can be for your glory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was thinking about this sermon, um, and I was drawn to the idea of the kind of father that God is to us. And I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be uh, sharing any thoughts which you probably have never had this morning, but I just want us to focus on our Heavenly Father, and I want us to let this be a time of worship for you, for your Heavenly Father. And then I, at the end, I have a word to fathers, and then I have a word to those who didn't have uh, an absolute all-star father. Uh, who had a very imperfect father, I want to say a word to you, and then I want to say a word to those who have never known God as Father. So what I'd like us to do, first of all, is turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Uh, well, let's actually, we're going to read uh, verse 14 through 19, because this is the passage that got me started on uh, about what our Father is like. Now, the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter 3 is stops in the middle of his, uh, basically his lesson on um, who God is and what he's done for us. And at the end of that, before he turns to the so what and how should we live, he prays this prayer for the Ephesian believers. And um, I just love uh, how Paul points out who God is. So uh, listen as I read Ephesians and follow, uh, if you have, a, yeah, uh, I have the ESV. So if you have that, you can follow along here. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Great passage here this morning, and, and um, you're going to have to remind me to uh, click here, because I, I do have notes here, and uh, if you had notes, they're out in the lobby if you didn't get one. But um, I just want to talk this morning about uh, first four things, uh, four things, ways in which our Heavenly Father loves us. And, and it's, the first thought is in verse 14 there. It says, um, for this reason I bow my knees, excuse me, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He says, before the Father, and the word there is the word, the word pater, the Greek word for father. And then he says, from whom every family, but the word family would actually be better translated be, uh, fatherhood because it's the same root word, patria. So it's literally before the Father from whom all fatherhood is named. You see, God's the one who came up with the idea of being a father. Fatherhood is his idea. He, it, that, the home and the, the, the idea of parents, uh, what, that was God's idea. The family was the first institution that God made. Sometimes we get caught up in how important the church is, and the church is God's a way of, of witnessing to the world about who he is. So I'm not minimizing that. But before the church, there was the family. And there still is the family. And God is the father 
of all. He created us male and female and, and told us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And that's where family got its start. There wouldn't be any such thing as fatherhood if not for God, the Father. So when we look at what kind of father we should be, I think it's fitting that we examine the Word of God and to see that the Father that He is and to learn about that. He's the foundation upon which the family is built. And secondly, um, you bear your father's resemblance. You bear your father's resemblance. Who here looks like their uh, mother or father? Anybody can say that? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of this and I think, I think of Jeff Lapp's kids. Don't they all look like Lapp's? They all look like Lapp's. They bear their father's resemblance. And so do you. Genesis 1.26, uh, God said, let us make man, what? In our image. The image of God. All of us have God's image. How do we do that? How do we resemble our father? Even in our fallen state, even as sinners, there is a remnant of God's image in all men. We have been given intellect and emotion and will. And, and as such, we're above all of creation. We have self-determination. And if you read Genesis chapter 1, one of the, the main things that he talks about is that you have dominion over all the earth. He gave you, he gave man dominion. And he set up the father as the head of the home. And in that way, there is uh, that image of God, that representation of God. And it also tells us how we need to be as fathers because we represent God to our, our families. He made us morally sinless, Adam and Eve at least. And uh, of course, we know sin has alienated us from our creator and they didn't last very long in the garden. And so they lost that part. But through Christ, we're going to learn we can be restored to God's image. But I think also as we look around us, every one of us, every one of you, uh, fathers, mothers, and children, you have that inherent worth, that intrinsic worth that you've been created. You are of value. And uh, when Satan lies to you and says you're not important and you don't matter and nobody cares, God comes and says, no, you, I, I put my image in you. I want you to reflect me. So we, we ought to have that uh, idea about everybody we come in contact with, that they bear the image of God. And, and we're to imitate our Father. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians this morning. Uh, chapter, uh, verse 1 of Ephesians 5, there are, therefore, excuse me, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And I think of um, how a little child follows in their father's footsteps and tries to uh, keep up with them. And I think of how our children imitate us. And we're to imitate God, our father. Uh, and someday, someday, um, we're going to be like him. First John chapter 3. Uh, we are going to someday, we're going to see, see him as he is and we are going to be like him. So this whole idea of God's image is in us now it was in Adam and it's in us now and then someday we're going to actually realize the, the fulfillment of that. We're going to be like Christ. And we too will be fully realized uh, children of God. So you bear your father's resemblance. And third, 
Love is at the heart of everything your father does. I want, I want to just go over with you uh, briefly the whole idea of salvation and how God has, has laid out how we can be brought back and restored to the image of God. Um, it's all his idea and it's all full of love. When you think of what God has done for us, it's all about his love. So turn to chapter 1 of Ephesians, if you would, please. Chapter 1, verse 4. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you start in verse 4 and you read all the way through chapter 2, verse 7, you're going to see uh, that God's love just oozes out of these pages. Um, everything that God has done for you, he has done in love. Look at, look at verse 4. Even as uh, he chose us, in him before the foundation of the whole of, of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the, excuse me, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Um, he chose you before the foundation of the world. He planned that you'd be adopted into his family. He redeemed you and forgave you through Christ's blood. Verse 12, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the truth, of the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So you were set apart for him. And God gave you his Holy Spirit as a promise and a guarantee he was going to finish what he started. He's going to bring you to heaven. And that word lavish, he lavished his, uh, his love on us. We get on to chapter 2 and verse 4. Um, you, uh, you see that... Actually, you read verses 1 and 2 and 3. You talk about how bad man was and how far we were alienated from, from God. But verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he, with which he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive in Christ. So the whole salvation uh, adoption, the whole idea of God reaching down and making you his child is out of his love for you. It's all because of his love for you. And I want you to walk away from here knowing today, no matter where you come from, that God loves you. And he loved you enough that he sent his, he gave up his own son so that he could bring you into his family. Max Lucado says, God dispenses his goodness not with an eyedropper, but with a fire hydrant. Your heart is a Dixie cup and his grace is the Mediterranean Sea. You simply can't contain it all. So let it bubble over. Let it spill out. Pour forth. Freely you have received. Freely give. That's how much God loves you. And then the fourth thing I want to point out is that... Oh, I think I was supposed to... I'm a little behind there. Fourth thing. Um, and there's Max. Fourthly, God the Father wants to have a relationship with you. Now, this is really important because I want you to know how important relationship is in the Christian world. Uh, being a Christian isn't just coming to church and being here on Sunday morning. Uh, God has created the whole story of salvation for you because he wants to have a relationship with you. 
1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And that word lavished, how he has lavished his love on us that we would be called children of God. He is intentional in fathering you. He knew that we would be unable to know God unless he initiated the process. We could not know God unless he made it possible. And he was intentional. He sent Christ to earth. The incarnation is the proof of God's love that he actually brought his own son to earth to become man so that he could redeem us. He was very intentional. And he's the initiator. The father is the initiator of the great adoption story. He wants you to know him. Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What's Paul praying for there? For there, he's praying that you would know him, that you would know God. God wants to be known. He wants you to want to know him. He loves when you reach out to him. Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17 says, So you have not created a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are children, we are his heirs. And then Galatians 4, 5 through 7 says the same, uh, basically the same thing. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, he has made you his heir. God wants to have a relationship with you. Um, I, before the, my, my two of my grand, three grandchildren are here this morning, and I went in the nursery to, or the, their classroom to say good morning to them. And it made me re remember um, just a couple of weeks ago, ago they were going to come over to the house, and I, and I told uh, their mom, I said, tell them I'm going to give them a whisker rub when they come. And, uh, you know, whisker rub, uh, you don't really whisk that because that would, Excuse me, that could really hurt, but you, you know, you just act like it. And, and, uh, they, and, you know, they giggle. It's really all about loving on them, you know. And so when Cora came in the house, I picked her up, and the first thing she did was... And I thought, what is that? And then that hit me. She was opening herself to let me give her a whisker rub. And you know how that made me feel? How, how that warmed my soul? that she opened up to me and was totally open to my love. And it made me think, if that isn't how God feels, when we open ourselves up to him, we say, God, have me. Do your will with me. I love you. I want to be with you. And that's what that word Abba, Father, is all about. 
you know, God is, God is many things. We can call God omnipotent. He has many names. He's sovereign. He's most high. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's the eternal self-existent one. He's El Shaddai. He's Rapha. He's Jehovah. But I think God loves it most when we call him Papa. That's what Abba is. It's that affectionate term for daddy. And I didn't say that. You say, man, I, I don't know. He's the God of the universe. I don't, I, that's kind of familiar, isn't it, to talk to God like that? Um, but he's the one who wrote this. His spirit leads us to call him daddy. Do you talk to God that way? Let me encourage you to do that because you're going to make him so happy. Because that's why he started the whole salvation story. It's because he wanted to have a relationship with you. I think that is a wonderful thing. And I, frankly, I will never get over it. That God loves me that much. And I hope you don't either. Because you know what? God wants your heart above all else. He doesn't, does he want your, um, you know, he wants you to give everything to him, of course. But more than anything, he wants your heart. Not your good works. He, he wants your good works. He wants you to sing for his glory. He wants you to give freely. He wants everything. But more than anything, he wants your heart. He wants to have that relationship with you. I hope you never get over that. And so, let me just turn now to um, a word to fathers. Here you go. A word to fathers. Let me just encourage you with four things this morning. First of all, I, I want you to embrace the role that God has given you. Uh, as you sit here this morning, you say, what does God want me to do with my life? Look around. What has he given you already? You're a husband. That's what God wants you to do. Be the best husband you can be. You're a father. That's what God wants you to do. You need to embrace that role. Don't resent your responsibilities. You need to glory in them. That's why you're here. That's why God put you here. At least one of the main reasons why he put you here is to be a father. So grab onto it. Make those your life priorities. And let love be the foundation of your home. It's important that you discipline your children. It really is. It's, it's important that you give them guidance. And we are going to talk in a minute about, about the word of God. It's important, but love your children. Let love be the foundation of your home. Uh, that verse that we... Started out this morning, chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. You say, well, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a affectionate person. You know, a lot of us guys can't relate to that stuff as easily. It doesn't really matter, though, because your life is to be rooted and grounded in love. You don't prove that you're a great father by being 
a good coach, although that's a fun thing that a lot of fathers are going to do. But you, you do prove that you're a good father by loving. So let love be the foundation. It's the ground that your family should stand on. Chuck Swindoll, when asked about uh, the whole difference between the balance between discipline and love, said, if you're going to err in this balance, always err on the side of love. So if I can encourage you this morning, just let love be the foundation of your home. Don't let your kids ever doubt how much you love them. Seek them out. Pursue a relationship with them. You need to seek out your children. Love on them. You know, we're supposed to love our neighbors. Well, guess who's our closest neighbors? Our family. We need to love our family. Be present in their lives. The gift you give is you. Uh, when we were kids, or when my, my children were young, and um, we would go to the library, and we only lived like two blocks away. So we would walk to the library, and literally we would come home with a stack of books this high. We would check out every kid's book in the library, and um, I would sit them on my lap, and we would read through them. Now, the older two, they loved to do this. Now, Cherith just probably, you know, she was off crawling doing something else pretty quick. She wasn't too much into that. But um, it was one of my favorite times. I just love, I could read books to them all night just because I had them right here. And I could love on them. Now, what if I had just sent them a big pile of books and said, here, have at it? Would that have been exciting to them? Probably not, because you see, it really wasn't the, the books that were, it was all about. It was about that time with dad. And you are that gift. You are that gift that your children want. How do I, how do I know that you're that gift that they want more than anything else? Because of this mug right here. You see, this mug says, you are the best dad in the universe. Isn't that cool? Did you know I was the best dad in the universe? How many of you have ever gotten a card or a mug or a plaque that said, you're the best dad in the world or you're the, the best grandpa in the world? Raise your hand. All right. Yes. Now, why is that? Who's right? The truth is that you're all right because nobody can be your kid's best dad but you. And they're naturally... They're not too picky. In case you know, didn't notice, they're not picky. They love their dad. So just love on them. You giving yourself to them is the best gift that you can give them. You alone can be your child's best dad. So be there. Be there. Be there in their corner. Be with them. Believe in them and tell them that you believe in them and, and be there when they fall and Pick them up. I've been reading Tom Peters' book called The Excellence Dividend. It's one of those things they give you at work, you know, to always be better. And uh, one phrase jumped out at me because in talking about excellence, uh, he's talking about in the business world, he said, excellence is the next five minutes. You know, we think excellence is way out there, but when you think about being a dad, excellence is the next five minutes. What are you going to do in that next five minutes? Are you going to 
go play a video game by yourself, or are you going to hang out with the kids? You can make that choice every day, and, and excellence is only that five minutes away. Go for it. I want to encourage you. Are you, uh, you going to just love them and no, don't ever do anything else? No, we, we, we want you to lead them to God. Go to God for wisdom. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 says, uh, it, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 8. I'm sure you've uh, heard it read before. But think about what it says here. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And then the family part comes in. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going in, uh, going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. So teach them. Teach them about their heavenly Father who loves them. And pray for them. I want to just encourage you to pray for them. Um, if, you, if you turn... It, back in Ephesians chapter 1 again to that verse in 17 is another prayer that Paul is praying. And if you read through it, bottom line is this is how he prayed for his Ephesian born-again children. And it's a good pattern for us to pray for our children. Don't just pray that they would have a good, uh, a good career don't pray that they'd be healthy. I mean, of course, you're going to pray all these things. You pray for them to be healthy. You pray that they'd find a good mate. But read through here, and you're going to see God wants us to pray for their souls. Pray that they'd be born again. Pray that they would learn to know God, not just go to church, not just be religious, but that they would know God. That ought to be our prayer as parents, that they would know God and that they would love God like we do, and that they might understand how much God loves them. How deep and broad is God's love for them? That's what we want you to pray. So a word to the fathers. And then a word to those who had a very imperfect father. I, I'm not ig ignorant of the fact that there may be some here who will look back on your lives and uh, well, first of all, if you had an imperfect father, welcome to the club, right? How many of us are, are perfect fathers? And if you're going to be a father, you're going to blow it sometimes. Um, so understand that, and um, I think you do. But there are some fathers who were not as good as others. There are some that were not engaged. And we never outgrow our, father, our need for a father's love. I don't think we ever do. We're, we're wired to receive it. Was, was your father imperfect? Yeah. But there's, there's, there's deep pain sometimes when we think of our fathers. You know, 40% of, of American children are going to go to bed tonight without dad under their roof. You know, the life, life is hard and families break and we are broken people. And um, I just want to give you a word that God understands your hurt and he can heal your father wounds. He can heal if you'll let him. Some of those wounds are deep and lasting and painful still even after many years. 
God can heal them. And how does he heal them? Well, think about it. Into your story, God the Father breaks through with his own brokenness. He gave his son to be broken. And his brokenness can heal our brokenness if we bring it to him. So if you're here this morning and you didn't have a great father, God can heal your wounds. And that broken family, can, God can use your brokenness. And he can heal if you let him. Again, Max says in his uh, book, Max on Life, he says, uh, I can't assure you that your family will ever get the blessing you seek, will ever give you the blessing you seek. But I know that God will. Let God give you what your family doesn't. If your earthly father doesn't affirm you, your heavenly father will take his place. God can heal that. And then a word to those who don't yet know God as father. There might be some here this morning who don't really understand that whole thing. Maybe because of the the home you grew up in, for whatever reason, you have this warped idea of who God is. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God loves you and that he did break into all history to, to show you by the incarnation of Christ and by his sinless life, by his death on the cross for your sins, he loved you and, and he wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to adopt you into his family. That's, that's the cool picture. You're, you're not naturally a, a, a child of God because your sin has separated you from him, but God wants to bring you into his family. He wants to adopt you. Adopt you. He made the first move. He sent his son. He made the first move from you, for you, and he's waiting for you. Like the prodigal f- father waiting for the son to return, he's there for you. I pray that you would come to him this morning. He wants to give you a new name. What do you call yourself? Well, in Christ, you're a child of the king. You're an adopted son. You are beloved. You are forgiven. You are righteous. Come to him and he will give you all those things. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you so much for your love for us. And I do pray that, um, that we would just understand, begin to understand even a little bit how much you love us. And thank you for that. May, may it be the root and the ground of our life and may we blossom in your shadow. Um, may that grace that you've given to us, may it um, make us rich and fruitful and may it pour out on those around us so that we might love those around us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.